Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Hey friend, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Refined Collective Podcast Tribe. Before we get started, I just wanted to read you a review that we got this last week that just blessed me so much. Abby said, I absolutely enjoy and look forward to listening to every episode by Kat Harris. She brings the truth of God's word and transparency into every episode, whether the topic is about life, relationships, good habits, purpose, etc. Each topic just seems to touch on something I can relate to in some way. I'm thankful to have someone that inspires me and challenges me to be a better version of me. Give this podcast a listen. You won't be disappointed. Oh, Abby, thank you so, so much. It feels weird reading these reviews. Like it it almost feels like weird to like receive them and like receive the compliment. Like I want to be like, no, you, no, you. But I just want to say thank you for taking the time to leave these reviews, guys. Um, And if you listen to the podcast and you love what we're up to, I just want to invite you to go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, leave us a five-star rating and write a review on this episode and why you loved it, why it was a gift to you, what challenged you about it. And I do this not to want to puff up my name or puff up my ego or any of those things, but it's a way that we can cultivate community here. And it also acts as this sort of like SEO booster for our podcast. So the more of you that kind of rally around this podcast, support us, write reviews, leave ratings, the easier our podcast is to find on iTunes. And I don't know about you, but I want as many humans to get to listen to these stories as possible because I think they really matter. And I think you matter. I think your voice matters. So if you would just be so lovely and leave us an iTunes rating and review. I would be so, so grateful. All right. Now on to today's episode. You are in for such a treat. I am talking with Audrey Roloff. She is so passionate about motivating women to always believe that there is more with them through their relationship with God. She spreads that mission through her devotionals, her clothing line, and blog. And her and her husband started this incredible company called Beating 50%. It's all about marriage, and it's all about beating that 50% divorce rate statistic. They are so passionate about supporting our generation of men and women in relationships that they talk about it all the time on their top-rated behind-the-scenes podcast. And they just dropped a new book called A Love Letter Life. It's currently number two on Amazon, which y'all, that is like really big deal stuff. So I'm so excited for you to hear about our conversation. We talk about everything from... Enneagram, you know, I love Enneagram to their little daughter to long distance dating to how to get out of the friend zone. And I think my all time favorite thing that Audrey Roloff said is she said, You may have met your spouse, but you were too busy being on your phone. Hello, mic drop right there. So before I chat any more at you, let's go ahead and get into this episode. All right, welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I am so excited to have Miss Audrey Roloff on the podcast this week. What's up, Audrey? What's up? Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? 
I am doing good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Week. So you, yeah. Tell us about your week. You're in the middle of this crazy book tour. Your book just launched, um, a love letter life. It is number two on Amazon. What is life? <laughs> Seriously, What is life? Like we are just blown away. This is just, it's been so insane. And this week has just been, you know, writing a book is a crazy, crazy process. And it took us, you know, two years. And finally, we're getting to reap some of the fruits of our labor. And it's just been so exciting. And the Lord has had such favor on our writing and this release. And we are just in awe of everything that's happened. I feel like I haven't had a second to like, really take it all in and just realize what's going on. Cause we've kind of been like, thing to thing to thing for the past week. But Oh my gosh. Yeah, we are currently in Nashville. I'm in a hotel room and we've been just recording lots of podcasts and doing lots of media and signing lots of books. So it's been a full week. Oh my gosh. Well, I just want to say congratulations. I mean, thank you. What a huge accomplishment. Just to even, I feel like writing a book is one of those things that. people talk about doing it their whole lives, but it's really, really hard to do. And I think what, even what you just said, like it was probably like a two plus year process. Like, it's like people are now getting to see you have this like really exciting moment, but you're like, I've been working on this quietly for like years. Yes, totally. It's a crazy, crazy. And like, I would say the same thing. Like I have my whole life always wanted to write a book and I've always Mm -hmm. loved writing And I always thought it was like, you know, one of those big God dreams that I would do when I was 40 or 50 or 60, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and God just presented the opportunity for us to do it together and to do it now. And we just ran with it. And it's been such an amazing journey to hear. And I just can't wait weeks from now when people have finished the book to just Mm. continue to hear the feedback from how it's impacting people. and. It's just like so rewarding when you work so hard and pray so hard and labor over something for so long. That's like so personal too, because it's, you know, our story full of all its imperfections and all the things that we wish we would have known and all the things that we're glad we did. So Mm -hmm. I like, we believe in it so much and it's really cool to be able to get to experience all of this with my husband too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it would have been one thing if I wrote a book and it was successful, but Mm -hmm. to get to do this together and you know, it's just like, it's such a fun thing. We're just so grateful. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And even as you're saying that, I know we chatted a little bit before um, I started recording, but we were talking about Enneagram. Yes. And um, I heard that you're an Enneagram eight. Um, I am. <laughs> and so, okay. First couple questions. You're an Enneagram eight. What is your husband? Unpack what both of those mean for you. And what was that like? Actually, you're saying like it was fun writing a book with your husband, but I'm sure they're like with different personalities and different work styles, like some like friction moments. Like what was that process like? So our numbers, so Jeremy's a nine, which is the peacemaker. I'm an eight, which is the challenger. And, you know, if you go to the Enneagram Institute, they, you, you can like parallel your numbers and what they would be like in a relationship. So if you click eight and nine, it gives you like a little paragraph synopsis about Mm. you, you know, your relationship and how you handle conflict. And they refer to us as fire and ice. I'm fire and Jeremy's ice. And it's really interesting because I feel like our numbers are very no two numbers are compatible because no two humans are compatible, right? We, we complement each other and we refine each other, but we're not compatible. <laughs> and so I think like for us realizing that we have very different, we have a lot of differences, but realizing that our differences are gifts that we can offer to each other in the refining process of making each other better has been such a game changer for us. And I wish we would have known about the Enneagram when we were dating. We actually didn't discover it until we were married a couple years. And I wish we would have known about it before earlier on in our marriage, because it's just been such a great tool for learning more about ourselves and learning more about each other, which is something Jeremy and I always say, like, we always want to be students of each other. And Mm. on this constant journey of discovering the new version of ourselves and each other year after year after year. 
And so I love the Enneagram for that because it's just been a great self-discovery for self-growth tool. And I just love it. So Jeremy keeps me calm and (laughs) reminds me that not everything is the end of the world and tells me to stop and rest when I am like the high octane, have to squeeze the potential out of life, have to take advantage of every opportunity and, you know, everything is urgent kind of person. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so we balance each other because like we joke, Jeremy's nine, which is they sometimes can be referred to as the sloth of the Enneagram. (laughs) It's kind of slow and like nothing is a big deal. And if you almost die in an accident, like it's totally fine. And like, I remember like, this is the perfect example of Jeremy. Like we got in a motorcycle accident a few years ago. I was riding on the back. We got hit by a car and I got thrown off into a ditch on the side of the road. Oh my God. By the grace of God, like we were okay. And Jeremy, like the way that we landed in blackberry bushes, like it just was like this, like God was protecting us, but we, the bikes ended up being okay. Like the motorcycle ended up being still rideable after the accident. And Jeremy was completely fine. Like he got up and walked away, like without even a scratch, really. I got pretty banged up because I flung off the bike. Whereas like Mm. he kind of stayed on it and like skid off into the ditch. And anyways, so, you know, I dislocated my shoulder, like I'm pretty banged up. And like the fire truck comes and it's this whole thing, right? And Jeremy's like, well, like, babe, if you're okay, you know, it's just shoulder dislocation. Like we can still go to breakfast. Like the bike's fine. <laughs> we can still ride it. Like that is the epitome of Jeremy. Like nothing is a big deal. Like everything's always okay. And so it's great because it balances me out. Whereas like, I have to be the one for Jeremy where I'm like, hey, babe, like, you know, this thing actually is really urgent and important. Mm, yes. <laughs> and like, you know, I like, add a little bit of like intensity and, you know, without me in his life, he would just kind of like go on coast, you know, and Mm -hmm. get on cruise control. So anyways, we have learned to recognize our differences as gifts that we get to bring to each other to make Mm -hmm. ourselves as individuals better, but also our marriage stronger. Yeah. I resonate so much of what you're saying about the fire. I am not an eight. (laughs) I am a three. And when I found out as a three, I cried because I was like, I'm a politician. I'm fake. I'm a performer. What's wrong with me? Uh, (laughs) um, But you and I were both collegiate athletes and um, I played tennis and you you were a runner, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. And so I wonder if like part of that, like, is that like athlete mentality of like pushing and training and being willing to like do whatever it takes to like get to the goal. And one of my best friends, I'm not dating anyone. So I'm like thinking of my friendships that are fire and ice. One of my best friends is an Enneagram nine. And I'm like, I'm so glad actually you're in my life because she's teaching me to like slow down when I'm like, like, let's do this and let's achieve. Let's do, 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 do. And she's like, can you just like, breathe for five seconds and take in the fact that we live in an amazing city and it's a beautiful day. And I'm like, no, because my to-do list isn't done. <laughs> like, yes. leave me alone. Oh my it's, I think it's so funny. I feel like God just knows like all of, so many of my best friends are nines. It's hilarious. And then Jeremy's mm-hmm. a nine and I'm like, this is just funny that God knew that I needed lots of nines in my life and lots <laughs> of twos in my life. Yes. So I have like, so many twos. <laughs> yes. It's like, I just needed that. But then also I, I need to have my times with threes and eights and sevens that like mm. get the, like squeeze the most potential out of life and like can go there for me and match my intensity and like get riled mm. up about the things that like I burn for, you know? And so yes. I think I've, I've, I've really like, I think whatever number you are on the Enneagram, you need to have people that are your number and connect with your number in your life. And you need to have people that are like the furthest thing and most opposite from your Mm. number, because it's like, you need both, you know, so badly. Right. Well, that's where like growth and transformation happens outside of our comfort zone. You know, it's, it's nice to have like your people who are like, Oh, I see you girl. I know how you're wired. But for me, I'm, I always experience the most transformation when people like bump up against the comfort zone and are like, Hey, come play out here. Come outside of the lines, come be with me out here. And that's, that's where you're like, Oh, life 
is nuanced and has layers and there's like multifaceted different colors. And um, yeah. so there's like always that room for growth. Um, totally. Okay. I want to talk about, obviously, let's talk about your marriage, your relationship with Jeremy. I would love to hear just, can you just paint a picture and unpack what your relationship has looked like? I mean, you guys have had a really public relationship. You were on um, TLC's Big People Little World. You dated long distance, all the things. Now you're married and have a daughter, like so much has transpired and unfolded in your life in Mm -hmm. not a long time. So can you just kind of paint a picture of what dating looked like, what having a public relationship has looked like? Yes. Okay. Well, so we, um, we actually met, we were set up on a blind date, you know, we tell this whole story in the book, but Sparks Notes version, we were set up on a blind date by mutual friends who were dating. So like one of Jared's friends and one of my friends were dating and they set us up and we were both fresh out of relationships, not looking to date at all. And thought that we were thought that our friends were crazy for trying to set us up because we were just not in that season of life. But they were like, they were so adamant that we would be good together. And I'd never seen the TV show. I knew nothing about it. Um, Jeremy had never been on a blind date and had turned down every single one that he tried to been set up with because a lot of people tried to set up Jeremy with girls. Let's just put it that way. Um, and so we met and it was not this like, you know, sparks flying kind of a night. We say that we were both really, really intrigued by each other. Neither of us had ever met anyone like the other before. So we were super interested in just each other as human beings because we were really different from other guys and girls that we had met. Um, and we had at the time that we met, they were actually taking a break from filming the TV show. So that wasn't even really going on. And a lot of our friendship, um, you know, again, this is part of our story in the book, but we were friends for two years before we started quote unquote dating by culture's definition of dating. Mm -hmm. And so like we had two years of, you know, strictly friend zone and that was, you know, there's a lot of reasons for why it was that long. And we kind of unpack all of those in the book, but, Mm -hmm. um, we like, we just, really believe in the foundation of friendship. And during that time, because we weren't filming, we weren't really in the public eye. This was also before Instagram and, or, you know, Instagram was in its infancy. And so we were back when Instagram like, was like a photo editing app. <laughs> exactly. 100%. That's exactly what it was. Like my only friends that had it were people that were like photographers. Um, but anyways, so we would hang out in the evenings in the summer. I would go over to the farm and like just go on all these adventures with his friends. And we just had like the best time. And then I'd go back to school and we'd kind of like text on occasion and I'd come home and we went to the same church in our hometown. So like when I came home, we'd go to church together with our friends and like hung out with, in big groups a lot. And that was most of like two years of that. Mm-hmm. And then 10 days before Jeremy decided to go off to film and photography school in Santa Barbara, California, we decided to start dating. And so our entire dating relationship was long distance. Mm-hmm. And so then that's another reason why like our dating relationship was not filmed for the show, not really mm-hmm. in the public eye because we literally were 900 miles apart from each other. Wow. And I was in college. I was a collegiate athlete, like you said, and Jeremy was in you know, photography school really far away. So like we hardly got to visit each other just because I was running and training all the time. And Jeremy was so busy with school and photography and running his own wedding videography business. And we were just, you know, doing our things and growing our careers and Mm. all this. And so did three years long distance dating and had to be very intentional and very creative with how we pursued each other during Mm. that time, because long distance creates some obstacles. (laughs) Mm. And so it really taught us to over communicate. It taught us to be creative and specific with how we loved each other while being separate and and separated by distance. And it really set us up for marriage in so many ways. Mm. And our long distance dating relationship basically ended in marriage because we graduated college and got married one month later. And so, yeah, it was kind of a crazy journey and none of that journey was really 
talked about or shown on TV because mm-hmm. obviously we were separate. And so this book that we wrote is kind of, you know, all the story that was never shared. And also yeah. Jeremy and I just have a huge passion for speaking to our generation about dating relationships, preparing more for your marriage than your wedding day. Mm. There's just not a lot out there for people in that season of life. And the stuff that is, is written by people who like are our parents, our grandparents and not people who are kind of in it with them in the journey Mm. with them. And so, you know, people say all the time, like you guys ran a book on marriage and you're not a marriage expert. You've been married for five years. And it's like, yes, we know. And we do not claim to be a marriage expert by any means, but we wanted to write this book while kind of being in the same season as the person that we're writing to not Mm. being 10 years ahead of them, but like going, here's all our failures and struggles and, and what we wish we would have known. And we're in the same seat. We're running alongside you in this Mm -hmm. journey and fighting the same battles that you are. And, you know, we get it. And like, here's what we've learned and here's what we think has helped. And here's what we've learned Mm -hmm. from the people who have, you know, spoke into our lives and mentored us along the way. And so let's, let's share those tools and resources and encouragement. So um, yeah, that was a long winded answer. I'm I so, was so sorry. Good. I loved it. And I have like 20 follow-up questions and oh, I think it's so powerful what you said. I think, especially in like a social media driven culture where we're putting filters on everything. We're putting our like one squeaky clean, shiny moment on the internet a day. We're not putting the other 23 hours and 59 minutes and 55 seconds up there. And it can feel like, oh, I'm going to tell you about the breakthrough 10 years later, or I'm going to tell you about the struggle when it's not even a struggle anymore. And I do Mm. think that there is value to doing life in real time with real people, mentors, pastors, friends, community without broadcasting your struggle, like in the heat of the moment. But I think there's a balance and I think it's, it's what you guys are doing and what you're saying is you are in it right now and there is struggle right now. And I think there's like, I think what you're doing as far as like wanting to be a light and a source of encouragement to relationships and marriage in today's culture is saying like, we're in it with you and we're going through it right now. And here's the struggle. We're looking for the breakthrough or we're like, we're navigating it. We're stumbling forward. I just think that is so relatable. And I'm 33, I'm single. And I started going through a journey about five, six years ago where I was like, what does it look like to navigate this well? And all Mm. the resources I could find were people that were 20, 30 years older than me who um, got married really young or just I felt like there was no – like they could not relate to what it was to date in today's culture. Like online dating, social media has changed the game. So I I love that you guys are speaking into it now because it takes really courage to kind of take off that mask and that filter and say, hey – Here's where we're at. We're not perfect. We're no experts, but here's our story. We want to walk alongside you. Yes. And like Jeremy says all the time, like the world doesn't need another highlight reel. And this Mm. book is not a highlight reel. And I think that's also why we wanted to write a book because Mm. long form content, you can really get into a lot of the things that we can only share glimpses of on Instagram, Mm. like Instagram and social media only really allows us to share certain areas. It's limiting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As, as real as you want to be on Instagram, it's still really hard to, you know, you just can't get into things in the same way that you can in a book. And so that's why we just loved like being able to really like dive into some of these things that we're passionate about that Mm. we wanted to give voice to these things that like we've been wrestling with or have wrestled with in the past and in a way where we could really unpack them and not just like give snippets, you know? Right. Not like a a 10 second, 15 second blurb and then it's over. Yes. I love that. So, okay. You said something when you were unpacking your data relationship that I know a lot of my girls that listen to this podcast are going to be like, Ooh, I get that. So, okay. Mm. You said that you guys were friends for two years before dating. Yes. Okay. I need to know more about that. Like, did you guys (laughs) like each other? Were you like, Oh my gosh, I am stuck in the friend zone. How did I get here? Like, were you wanting more? Were you hoping it was different? Cause I feel like 
it's so easy to get stuck in the friend zone. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. how do I get out? So Mm -hmm. yeah, what was that like for you? Okay. We kind of, (laughs) again, like I'll try to keep my answers as shorter. You can read the long form version in the book. But we were both fresh out of relationships, like I said, and really not looking to date at all. And I tell the story about, we kind of go, go back in time a little bit to like two of those previous relationships and just how God called us out of those relationships. And we just, we're both kind of in a season where we were really maturing as individuals and we were young. Mm -hmm. Like I was 19 when I met Jeremy and we were in college. And just like, for me, I was sort of in this season of being a collegiate athlete, double majoring in school, leading young life, involved in ministry, living with seven girls where I was like, Mm. you know, eight on the Enneagram. Like I want to squeeze the most out of life and I don't have time Mm -hmm. for a boyfriend. That was Mm. my like kind of. So when I met Jeremy, I was really intrigued by him, but I Mm. wasn't wanting a relationship. I like truly wasn't. Jeremy was in the same season, but it only took him about a week to realize like, (laughs) I'm really into this girl. And like, I want to like, find out more. So Jeremy started pursuing me like, you know, pretty quickly then thereafter we met. Um, and chapter one in our book is called a patient pursuit because Jeremy patiently pursued me, even though like he did want more than just friendship. Um, he respected my like just desire to wait and, and just expressing that I wasn't ready for a relationship. Mm. And so instead of being like a super creeper and texting me all the time and bombarding me and you know what I mean? He just, he was really patient about it. He was really strategic about it. And we talk about some of the ways that he was that way in the book. And also like we both just, I think I, I had a lot of walls up. I was really guarded. There's a book, there's a chapter in our book called every wall must fall. And we talk about how like, you know, walls are good and they can protect you, but eventually every wall must fall. Like eventually mm-hmm. you have to let all your walls down in a relationship and then build new walls around your relationship together. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we had to go on this journey of me letting my walls down, Jeremy letting his walls down. Our walls look both very different and my walls mostly were present before we were dating. Jeremy's walls appeared when we were dating and Mm -hmm. we had to go through this process of like breaking down each other's walls. Um, but that, that period of friendship really gave us a time to learn each other and to become best, to become great friends without being clouded by physical intimacy without Mm -hmm. that even being an element of our relationship. Like we genuinely wanted to get to know each other and spend time together. And Mm -hmm. I think we both from the get-go coming out of our previous relationships, I had told myself like the next person that I date, I want to be my husband. I don't, I'm not into just, I don't want to just date for fun. Like I'm literally Mm -hmm. looking for a husband because what's the point of dating if not to find your husband? So, you know, I think sometimes in Christian circles, we've over-spiritualized that a little bit, like, yeah. you know, go on the coffee date, right? But <laughs> in, but on the other side of it, like, I really did want to be intentional about that. And so we both kind of had this, you know, we were really delicate with each other because we both mm-hmm. saw a future with each other from early on in our friendship phase, and we didn't want to mess things up. So we didn't rush into this dating relationship because we didn't want to mess it up. We were really delicate. We were really patient. And we knew if we rushed into things that, you know, we could have rushed into physical intimacy and we had messed up in that way before in the past. And so we just stayed friends. And um, so I think, you know, that's, I'm not saying that as gospel. I'm not saying that that is everyone's story. That was our story. And I think it really helped us to just build this really, really solid foundation of friendship. I think if you live, we lived in different cities, we were in college in different places, you know, even during that friendship phase, Jeremy was in school at a community college in Portland and I was at college at Oregon state. So Mm -hmm. we weren't like, we were still sort of long distance friends in that Mm -hmm. time too. I think if you live in the same city with someone and you're friends for two years, that's kind of a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think ours was more of like a gradual build because we would only hang out, you know, in the summer, but then once every three weeks we'd yeah. see each other, you know? So I think if you're hanging out in the same, like, usually it goes a little bit faster if you're hanging out like on a regular basis week to week, you know, being friends. 
I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it. Dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland, but it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and might I also say fun ways. These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash TRW dating. That's bit.ly slash TRW stands for the refined woman dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life now. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. What's so interesting about that is, well, it's completely countercultural, right? Like we live in an instant gratification culture. I live in New York City. I could literally, while we were on this call, like seamless order food and have it delivered. I could order whatever I wanted and have it delivered to my house. And right. if it's not here in 30 minutes, I'm all, what the heck? Like, has, is the world shutting down? Um, yeah. So I think it's so easy to take that same mentality into relationships. And mm-hmm. I remember I had a moment a couple years ago where, you know, with my mouth, I was saying, I want to take things slow. I want the patient pursuit, like what you're saying, like, I'm waiting until marriage to have sex. So like, let's hold off on physical things. But then I would be on the second date, like hardcore making out with guys like on my couch Mm. or in my bed. (laughs) And I just had this moment of, whoa, like my actions and what I'm saying are not in alignment. Like I am saying I want to take things slow, but I am like living this like instant gratification lifestyle in, in my dating world. like, I, I, I wanted things to happen fast. And yeah, one of my mentors says like, she was, she's always like, you don't want it to be like, when you get to know someone, you don't want it to be like a hell no or a hell yes. You want it to be like, huh, I'm interested. Like I'm intrigued. Like, and let yourself get to know that person slowly, but it can feel a little bit like a mind screw because it seems as though culture is like, it needs, you need to have that rom-com moment. It needs to be like the sparks you need to have, like go from zero to a hundred. And so it feels like really confusing. And, and what you're saying is a completely opposite story of like what culture is feeding us. Yes, totally. It really is. And like, you know, in the somewhere in a description for our book, (laughs) I remember we wrote like, you know, we want to encourage our generation to stop settling for convenient relationships Mm. because I feel like that convenience culture that we live in right now, relationships aren't convenient. That's why we titled Mm. our book, A Love Letter Life. Letters take intention, effort, thought, patience, inconvenience. You know what I mean? They're not a convenient way of communicating. And we wanted our relationship to be built on those, those things, those traits, Mm. patience, beauty, effort, thoughtfulness, intention. And so, you know, we hope that there are ideas and and tips for people in our book to be able to do that wherever they're at in their love story, whether they're single and desire that love story or dating and in a current relationship and wanting to look for ways that they can Mm. have a not, not a convenient relationship. But I mean, yeah, you're so right. Like just the culture we live in now with swipe right or swipe left, it's like convenience is everything, you know, Mm. and you're just looking for someone to date that's 
that's close to you and that's convenient instead of looking for a future spouse that, you know, a relationship with someone that you're going to spend for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. should take some, some time and some consideration and some patience in the beginning to figure out if that person is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. So. Absolutely. And just like along those lines, I I love the tagline, like pursue creatively and date intentionally. And I mean, we already chatted a lot of the the women that listen to the podcast that follow the refined woman are single women that want to be dating. I think like one of the biggest pain points are I hear like over and over again from women and I have experienced it as well myself as a single woman is you're like, okay, these are great tips. Let's date intentionally, but where are all the guys? (laughs) Like, where are the good guys? Like, it seems like they're already all taken. And I know that, I know that's not true, but I think that can be like a really painful experience for a lot of women. What would you Mm -hmm. say to that woman? So I write in the book, Jeremy is not an exception. I think a lot of people can look at our relationship online and go like, oh, you guys are couples goals and there's no guys out there like Jeremy, or I wish I could find a guy like Jeremy. And Jeremy is not an exception, although in my biased opinion, I love him and think he's amazing, obviously. But I tell people all the time, like, if you believe the lie that there are no guys out there for me, then you're going to live that lie. You're not going to find any guy out there. You know what I mean? It's like that Henry Ford quote, like, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right or whatever. Mm. And it's like, so if you're living with that mindset of like, there's no good guys out there for me, you know what I mean? Then you're going to settle for the not so great guys because you're believing the wrong, you know, but also I would say too, like, you know, just on a practical level, like Jeremy and I were set up by our friends. Like we literally were set up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I would just say like, ask your friends, like you probably have a lot of good girlfriends, like ask your friends what they see in you and the traits that they think that would balance you in a relationship. And if they know any guys that are, you know what I mean? Like ask your friends. And like, I, I think one of the best ways that you can meet your potential spouse is by getting set up by friends who know Mm. you, trust you and love you and see and, and know like, you know, a guy that would, that would complement your strengths and that would refine your weaknesses, you know, like Mm. relying on your friends in that, like, I think is just so beautiful. Um, and also to people in that season of life, like, I used to tell this to my young life girls all the time when they're in high school, I used to lead like this group of girls outreach organization for high school kids. And I used to tell them, you know, you can't help who you fall in love with, but you can help who you spend time with. And so I think like a lot of times, you know, we are unintentionally maybe spending a lot of time with a guy or spending a lot of time with a girl that you're not really necessarily intending to date but you can't help who you fall in love with. And so like, you just never know who you're going to, and it's it's hard to fall out of, you know what I mean? So it's like, I think just be careful about that. Be careful about what guys you are spending a lot of time with Mm -hmm. for their sake too, not just yours, you know? Um, and so that's something, those are kind of a few things that I would encourage people in that season, in in the dating season. That's so encouraging. And so I just, I'm encouraged by that. And I, I just think it's so true and not being like woo woo or like we're manifesting our, our destiny, but like (laughs) when I believe a lie, I then create that reality. Like that's, like, um, scripture says to take every thought captive and to think about like what is pure and lovely and holy and good. And when I am believing that there are no guys out there, if that is what it feels true or seems true, then I'm going to spend my time very differently. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hold on to hope. I'm going to probably only spend time with girlfriends. If I do see guys, I'm probably going to think, Oh, they're probably not good guys. Like if if I'm agreeing with like that narrative is not serving me and it's not honoring the men in my life. It's not honoring God. It's participating with a mindset that's based a to at its core of scarcity and fear. And that's mm, just yes. not the life that God has for us. Like God created us for a life of wholeness and abundance and freedom. Yes. So I love that you said that. And I, I'm like so on board with that. So let's get real practical, Audrey. Um, if you were to like give, let's say three ways, three specific ways to date intentionally, what would those ways be? Hmm. I would say, I mean, first, 
like, this is the first thing that comes to mind is just pursue friendship. Like, you know, there's a reason why people who've been married for 40 years say I'm married to my best friend. Like, Mm. so I would say first date intentionally, like be a good friend, just be a good friend, you know, um, to the person that you're dating and a good friend, you know, just think of all the ways that you have, that your best friend loves you and shows Mm. up for you and creatively and intentionally, you know, does things for you. Um, that's one thing that sounds really broad and cliche. I'm sorry. But it's so, I think it's sometimes the most cliche would, things are cliche because they're true. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I would also say, uh, ask, ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, like when we're in the dating season, we can kind of get in this, like, you know, this loss in this cloud of feelings and emotional ecstasy and like that sort of world. And so then we avoid having the hard conversations, Mm. um, talking about your family history, talking about your communication styles and how you handle conflict, talking about your, your desire for family or not talking about your financial, your view of money and Mm. saving and investing and giving and budgeting, talk like things, you know, talking about your, um, you know, physical intimacy, like ways that you've maybe messed up in the past and being honest about that. Um, you know, kind of Jeremy and I talk about in the book, like we had to illuminate our past in order to imagine for our future. And I think in the dating season, like a lot of people just aren't willing to illuminate the past. It's hard and it takes Mm -hmm. time and it takes hard conversations, you know? And, but one thing we always say is like, you know, momentary honesty might sting, but long-term lies are infectious. And so I think if you are willing to have those hard and maybe hurtful conversations when you're dating, they will prevent you from having a very hard and much more hurtful conversation Mm -hmm. in your marriage. So the more things that you can talk about now when you're in a dating relationship, um, the more that you can unpack that family history, your own personal journey, uh, your own personal weaknesses and struggles, the more you can be honest about that now and be intentional about having those card, hard conversations now, the less that you will struggle with those things in your marriage because mm-hmm. you won't be dragging them into your marriage. Um, you'll have brought them to the light before. And so, and then you can make a plan for, okay, you know, here are our struggles. Here are the things that we've met, ways that we've messed up in the past. How do we then protect our long-term relationship? How do we then protect our marriage going forward? Uh, knowing those things about each other and about yourselves. So, mm. you know, I just be, I just say like, you know, this is why it's circling back to like so many people plan for this epic, epic wedding day, but then they forget mm. to prepare for and plan an epic marriage. And, mm. you know, it's like in our world that we live in today, like, if you look at like any business, any sports team, any church organization, they all have one thing in common. They all have missions, they all have goals, and they all have like yearly summits. Mm. And so why don't we do that with our marriages? Why don't we craft missions for a marriage? Why don't we set goals for our marriage? Why don't we take yearly summits? You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. if we're if, why are we not designing success in our relationships? Why are we leaving it up to spontaneity and, and just organic romance? You know what I mean? Like, mm. no, it's design success. The same thing with, that's why our marriages are failing 50% divorce rate. Like it's because we aren't designing that success. We aren't implementing those rhythms that you see every other organizational, you know, business and entity implementing like why are we not taking those same principles and rhythms and implementing them into our marriage anyways you're getting me fired up now yes girl (laughs) come on preach you came to preach all right (laughs) that's so good because I feel like even as you're saying that something I think about so often is um just this idea of like we're taught in our culture to do whatever it takes for a career like spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the education, like spent, go 
do that free internship cross country, move across the world to get that promotion. Like don't go home for family holidays because you got to climb that ladder. You got to, you know, make that money, build your name, build your brands, like build, build your dream. And as beautiful and freeing as that can be, it's like, then we go to our relationships and whether Mm -hmm. it's dating or marriage or whatever, and you hear all sorts of like, weird things like, well, if it'll happen, it'll happen. Or if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Or if God wants it to happen, he'll open the door. So like, there's this like passivity that is like so shocking to me. Cause I'm like, wait a second. Like no one would tell someone who wanted to lose 20 pounds. Like, well, if you want to lose 20 pounds, like it'll just, you know, just like go to the gym when it feels good to you. Like eat the brownie if it feels good to you. No, like we're intentional about the things that we care about. And why would we be any different about our dating lives and our marriage? Like if anything, like if that is one of the most important things in our lives, like what if we actually said with our time that I'm making my relationship a top priority. So maybe that means I don't work 80 hours a week. Maybe that means I don't get that massive promotion that everyone thinks I should get because I want to honor that relationship. Um, yes. It just makes me wonder, oh I'm like, gosh, what would I- happen to our generation and the generations after that if we started taking love that seriously, if we started making yes. so, that much space for it in our lives? Yes. And just, I mean, it makes me think of too, like, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about all, all the girls who are like, there's just no guys out there. Well, there probably is a guy out there if you would just like look up from your phone, mm. if you would just like, you know, not not work 60 hours a week. Like, are you actually creating the time and space to even meet that guy? Because mm. like, you're not, you know what I mean? Like, cause we are, we're so career driven. We're so like success driven. We're so addicted to our phones and technology that there's no room in life for our generation to build creative, intentional and faithful relationships. Like we're not create crafting the space for that to even exist. So mm. of course people are like, well, where are all the good guys? Well, you're not actually truly like allowing yourself to see them. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. Like, so anyways. Yeah. You're like, we're watching The Bachelor on Monday nights with all our girlfriends. Then we're going to happy hour with our girlfriends. Then we're going to yoga class, which not a lot of guys do yoga class. And then we're like leading our high school Bible studies or mentor groups, whatever. I'm like, well, of course you're not dating. (laughs) And I think there's a balance, right? (laughs) totally no yes I mean like preach the girlfriend time like absolutely I love that like you know and that serves a great purpose in your own relationship in your relationship too whether you're married or dating or whatever Mm -hmm. like you have to have that that culture and that community around you but yeah I mean I just think like you know if you're at the coffee shop look up from your computer if you're on the subway look up from your phone you know like just be present and aware of the people around you. Like Mm. you never know when you you may have met your future spouse, but you just were on your phone. (laughs) It's just like, you know, it's like. (laughs) Mic drop. I feel like we should just stop the episode right there. You may have met your (laughs) husband, but you are on your phone. (laughs) Yeah, That's so good. Um, Audrey, gosh, I just want to talk to you all day. Um, But I know you have, you're like in the midst of crazy town book tour and I am just like believing and hoping for when this interview comes out that your book is going to not only be number two, it's going to be number one. Um, because I think it just is, is blessing, empowering so many people. Um, so just kind of final question, if there was one thing you would want to communicate through your book or through like, and through your life, like, what would that be? I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I would just say, you know, being more creative, more intentional and more faithful with your life and with your love story. So if you look at God, like God is a creative God, he's an intentional God and he's a faithful God. And that's how he loves us. And that's how I want to love others. That's how I want to love Jeremy. That's how I want to live my life with more creativity, with more intention and with more faithfulness, because I feel like for me, that's how I can better bear the image of Christ. So Mm. That's what I would say to anybody, whether you're single dating, married, whatever, um, is to pursue those things. And that's what I want to empower other people to do. 
Yeah. Well, I think you definitely are. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for your story. I'm so grateful for your courage to invite people into the journey with you. Like, like we said earlier, like you're not just like, Oh, we're 60 and here's what we learned 20 years ago, but you're saying, (laughs) here's what we're learning now and like be a part of it with us. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that because that, that takes courage. Um, yeah, girl, I'm so for you guys and just excited to see like what's on the horizon for you. I know this is just the beginning. Um, so where can people buy your book? Where can they follow along with your story? Tell us all the, all the social things. (laughs) Okay. I'm just, I'm Audrey Roloff on Instagram and Facebook. Jeremy and I, our website is theroloffs.com and you can pretty much find everything we do there. Our podcast is behind the scenes podcast. Our book is available anywhere books are sold. It's called A Love Letter Life. Um, probably Amazon is the most popular way people get it, but it's in bookstores, you know, your local bookstores. So you can go grab it there. Awesome. Well, I hope you have an amazing time in Nashville and get thank home you. to that sweet little baby of yours soon oh, you. and I get know. some rest. I bet y'all are like having fun, but also are you tired? <laughs> yes. I know. I'm like eight. So I'm like the highest energy of the Enneagram, but I'm yeah. like also wiped and need my, I need quiet time. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, so fun. Well, enjoy oh. it. Tell Jeremy I thank said hi so and um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye girl. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search the Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.